Super confidence falls just a little bit below expectations, but still above 100 and still elevated. Let's talk about the stock space tied to the consumer, which so far has been mostly online, leading the market action over the last six months. Joining us is Michael Dick, head of U.S. equity consumer trading and specialist sales at Mizuho Securities. Michael, good to have you on this morning. There's a lot here, I think, to process as we continue to see a market that's trying to get a better economy that's reopening and recovering, but still really concentrated, at least in terms of valuations in companies dealing with online. What do you view the current status of that bifurcation? Are we starting to make our way into some of the more recovery-driven consumer plays? Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I think that I think that this holiday is going to be um, a holiday that's very different than years past, and one with a lot of moving parts. Um, I think, for one, you have uh, an election that's one week away that's clearly, like you said, very important for uh, consumer confidence, and I think, obviously, stimulus um, in the weeks following that, at least the investor hope that we're going to get something, size and scope to be determined, um, will also be very relevant for the consumer. To your point about brick and mortar versus online, um, I think that you know this. Uh, the big question is, what is the mall going to look like this holiday season? And if it wasn't for the recent tick up in COVID cases nationwide, I was actually a believer that mall traffic was going to look less draconian than some people think. That hmm. malls weren't going to be this crazy ghost town. Uh, this season. But now with the recent tick up, it definitely feels like um, the answer to that question is going to be very COVID dependent. But I think if we see a stabilization in cases over the next few weeks, over the next few months, uh, I would expect mall traffic to be less bad than people think. However, like you said, the massive spotlight is on e-com. And I think the companies that have been investing in e-com and investing in their direct-to-consumer platforms in recent years will stand to continue to benefit. I think the winners will keep winning. I think it's companies like Nike, Lulu, Target, Walmart, even on a smid cap level, companies like Deckers, which uh, has a good DTC offering, mm -hmm. owns the UGG brand. And, um, and one last one I would point to that reported this morning with good results was Crocs. So right now, the list of winners has been fairly limited. Um, you mentioned some of the big successful ones. Crocs, Nike have been a few that we've focused here as just really being standout uh, winners uh, that were working pre-COVID and then started working even better during this period. Clearly, the brand power is there for both of these companies as people are buying them without a whole lot of reason to wear shoes the last six months. Maybe that's changing now. Uh, but Michael, going forward, what needs to, uh, what needs to happen as far as stimulus from the government to keep these trends going? I mean, do you look at a Nike and a Crocs and view these as companies that can only keep this run going if people are getting supplemental income or are their products appealing and in demand from a demographic that's not dependent on that income? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, think, I think the likes of Nike and Costco and Lulu um, I think those are, are, are secularly so strong that it's not entirely stimulus dependent, um, partly based on target audience and partly based on some of the highest quality portfolios out there and companies that are doing all the right things. Um, so I don't think stimulus is entirely required 
to keep that momentum going. I think names like what you just highlighted, Nike, Lulu, uh, names like Home Depot, Lowe's, Amazon, Costco, I think those are names that are core longs in people's portfolios, justifiably so. I think that will continue over time. Um, I think I think the compelling opportunities are those where you can kind of get the pandemic discount, mm. where you can buy stocks that are still down a lot from their pre-COVID highs. Um, but but going back to your point on a name like Crocs, there are there are a handful of softline retailers that have been really riding the ship in in recent months and recent quarters. Crocs is clearly a good example of that. The Justin Bieber partnership um, was certainly an added carrot to the upside. But you're seeing this from selects select apparel retailers um, or footwear stocks where the growthy components of their businesses are really shining. You're seeing this with the Airy business at American Eagle. You're seeing this with Bath and Body at L Brands. Um, Gap had their investor day last week, mm -hmm. which was um, very positively toned. Uh, Athleta and Old Navy have been the main drivers there. And then to your point, uh, Crocs as well. Uh, the Gap story has been uh, uh, incredible. Uh, the stock has just gone ballistic higher. Obviously, expectations of new product lines coming with the Kanye partnership. That's interesting. How much of it is specific to that? I mean, it looks very unique. I mean, to think that Gap has a trajectory, you know, even steeper than Lulu over any period of time is like mind-blowing for anyone who's watched this sector over the last couple of years. How does Gap sustain this? Did something really change here meaningfully? Because, uh, you know, when it was trading down to five bucks, I was kind of wondering myself if Gap was going bye-bye. Yeah, I think, and you're right, for people who have followed retail for a long time, we're very used to letting it roll off the tongue that mall-based soft lines like Gap, like LB, like Eagle, like Abercrombie are names that, you know, for a long time, we're in a very secularly negative conversation, almost secularly negative like the department stores where mm -hmm. people just didn't want to touch these stocks. Um, I don't think I don't think it's the pandemic that shifted it. I, I think it's that, um, you know, for a few of the names that we discussed, like Eagle, LB, uh, Gap Stores, Crocs, where they've 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 dangled a carrot to get people excited about a growthy section of their portfolio that's more than just core brick and mortar store that we all know for 20 plus years that's stuffed in the mall. Um, so yeah, if you believe Gap's targets, 2023 targets from, from last week's investor day, there is significant upside. Um, I also think what bodes well for that space is people have made a lot of money on the growth side of the equation, especially in consumer. Amazon's a great example of that. And as I think, as folks are looking for value proxies to add that diversification to their portfolio, these stocks certainly also check that box. Michael, what about, uh, we're, we've talked a lot here about apparel and retail. What about uh, some of the other consumer activity names like a Planet Fitness? Did Peloton kill hopes for this once uh, great stock that uh, had a seemingly a great business model? People who were signed up barely even went, were still paying. The people that did go loved it. I mean, Planet Fitness seemed to have everything going for it and then just collapsed during this period. Do you think it's only a matter of time before we get back to highs and continue the trend? Yeah, I think Planet Fitness is an interesting name for when you're thinking about who's gonna do well in a recovery scenario, who's gonna do well post-vaccine. 
I think owning Planet Fitness today is challenging if you're if you're trying to make short term money. But I think medium term, long term, you want to think about what are the categories that are going to come out of this pandemic as strong, if not stronger than pre-pandemic. And in my opinion, working out, exercise, going to the gym is going to be of utmost importance coming out of this pandemic, given the seven plus months people are dealing with in terms of mental health challenge, mm -hmm. physical health challenge. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the category background is really strong. And then I think you want to say, okay, well, if mom and pop and independent players get displaced, who is there um, to benefit from that share grab? And I think Planet Fitness is a good example of that. Mm -hmm. The long-term Planet Fitness bull case revolved around, a lot around unit growth. And I think this facilitates them to take over empty space. Um, it's obviously a very asset light model. Um, so do I like Planet Fitness short term? I think it's a challenge in 2020, but I think if you're betting on plays into 2021 post vaccine, I, I do think Planet Fitness is one that, that makes sense medium term. Michael, just kind of generally, I'm curious when you talk with clients, investors that are trying to think about where to put retail companies in their portfolio, how much of this conversation right now is about expected volatility within the stocks. Uh, I know closely related to expected returns as well, but for a lot of these companies, it seems that their beta to the overall market now is something very different than it could have been before. Uh, is that part of this really is just understanding risk before you get into a so-called reopening dependent stock? Yeah, good question. Um, the there are a lot of reopening proxies um, right now across the discretionary space. Uh, I think a lot of them operate on different areas of the risk curve. Uh, I think you have uh, an area like, or a sector like cruise lines or lodging or airlines, um, which are further out on the risk curve. Uh, a sector that gets discussed a lot by clients of, hey, I wanna make this reopening bet and I feel good about it is the restaurant space. And I think the benefit that the restaurant space has over, say, cruise is that it's a way for folks to get excited about the idea of the world is back to normal and they can go out again without necessarily having to go on a cruise ship, without necessarily having to fly 3,000 miles across the country, without having to stay in a hotel. Mm -hmm. um, so the restaurants to me are an interesting sector of being able to play this reopening proxy, still, still owning a group um, that's down from their pre-COVID highs. The, the challenge has been is that the restaurant space is very bifurcated. You have names like McDonald's and Chipotle and Wendy's, which have done fantastic for all the reasons you would expect, drive-through, delivery, et cetera. But a group like Casual Dining is the group that's down 25% on the year. Um, but the recovery has been impressive from the lows. It's been led by the big share, big scale guys like Darden, Brinker, Texas Roadhouse. Mm. Um, and I think that's an interesting way to play the recovery into 2021 because I think people can feel confident. Okay, I don't know when people are gonna go on a ship again, but I do know when folks wanna go out to dinner with their family. Mm -hmm. I really like that point as a way to get exposure to some of this without being totally tied to every change in the reopening path or a COVID story. And I think these uh, stocks uh, on the charts, at least something like Darden does look like it reflects a little bit uh, more of that clarity than we see for cruise lines, et cetera. Michael, really good stuff. Really great conversation. Love uh, the thorough report here. Thanks a lot for joining us.
Thank you. Thank you. Michael Dick is the head of U.S. Equity Consumer Trading and Special Sales at Mizuho. Really good message on how to navigate the consumer space.